Well, I guess we should just get the inevitable out of the way. Why doesn't everybody just go ahead and close their eyes right now? (laughs) Actually, I do want you to do that. I do. We're going to start a little different. Everybody close your eyes. Don't worry. I'm not going to do anything weird. Nobody's raising their hands. I'm not going to pants anybody. I promise. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Now, I want, while you've got your eyes closed, I want you to do two things. I want you to picture your mother's face. Get a picture of your mom in your mind's eye. Think about her good qualities. Think about what it was like to grow up in her house. Think about maybe some of the the bad qualities. Okay, you got it? All right. Now think about your dad. If you know him. I know in our society, not everybody knows their father. Most everybody knows their mom, but not everybody knows their dad. Bring up a picture of your dad. Do the same thing. Think about what it was look like, or think about his good qualities. Think about what it was like to grow up under his house, to grow up under his instruction. Think about some of his bad qualities. Okay. Everybody can open their eyes. <clears throat> I hope you all can appreciate how hard of a job I have this morning. Okay? Some of you, when you thought about your mom, you thought about your dad, really good feelings came into your heart. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. You have honorable parents. Some of you don't have such great parents. You grew up with an abusive mother or just an absent mother or an absent father, an abusive father. The relationships that we have with our parents are incredibly, incredibly complex. Okay? So this morning, I have a tough job before me, but it's into this mixed bag of emotions and this complexity that God speaks. There is no relationship that's too complex for the Lord, and so we can trust him. And so he speaks with the fifth commandment this morning. He tells us what our relationships with our mom and dad should look like. Now, I think that the relationship that we have with our parents, that familial relationship, is really the foundation for all of society. There's no other relationship in earth that can have as big of an impact as what your relationship with your mom and your dad will have on you. There's no other relationship that affects society as a whole more than how children relates. What does God tell us about the family unit? How does he tell us that it should work? And before we get into that, just as kind of a a side note, hopefully as we've been going through this series, you're recognizing that the the Ten Commandments are, are more about protecting our freedoms than putting a bunch of uh, limits and, and stealing our joy, okay? Hopefully you've come to understand that, that when God tells us not to do something, it's because he's protecting something important. There's actually eight commandments that are, that are phrased in the negative, so things that we shouldn't do. Only two are put in the positive. And so as we're reading through these, as we continue to go through this story, I want you to think about when we come to a commandment, don't ask, what can I do? Ask yourself, what is God trying to protect? What is, he, what is a good thing that he wants to preserve for us? The fifth commandment is pretty obvious. He's trying to protect the family because it's a positive commandment. He says, you should honor your father and mother. Let's read it together. Exodus 20, verse 12. It'll be on the screen. Exodus 20, verse 12. He says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So that's the Old Testament reference. This is actually referenced multiple times in the New Testament. And one place in particular is Ephesians 6. Paul is writing to the Ephesians. And he says in Ephesians uh, 6, 1 through 4, he says, Children, 
Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you might live long in the land. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so here's my hope this morning. If you've got your bulletins, you can kind of see where we're going. I want to ask four questions. The first one is, what does this commandment say? Second one, why should we obey it? How should we obey it? And then if you're a parent, are you making it easy for your children to obey the fifth commandment? So what, why, how, and then we'll wrap up with a, with a word to parents at the end. So to answer the first question, what does the fifth commandment say? I think it's helpful to think kind of negatively. What does this commandment not say? What does it not say? Well, it doesn't say that we are to love our parents. You say, what? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that we're to trust our parents. It doesn't say that we should admire our parents or even enjoy our parents. It doesn't say any of that. It doesn't even say we should obey our parents. You say, wait on. Wait a second. Doesn't Paul say that? He does, but he's interpreting the fifth commandment and how it relates to children. So he's not making a universal statement for all children. He's talking about little children, children that are living in their parents' house. So it doesn't say obey your parents. It doesn't say any one of those things. You say, well, why not? The Ten Commandments are amazing. They're genius. They are so genius in that they can be applied to any person, any age, any race, in any culture. They're written in such a way that they can be applied universally for everyone. It's amazing. So the commandment doesn't say, trust your parents, because the Bible's not naive. It understands that life is difficult. It understands that in life, some parents are not trustworthy. It doesn't say that you should admire your parents. It doesn't say that you should enjoy your parents, because again, the Bible's not naive. Some parents really aren't all that enjoyable to be around. Some of them don't have any admirable qualities. The Bible's not naive, so it doesn't tell us to do those things. It doesn't tell us even to obey our parents because to obey some parents would mean that you might have to disobey the Lord. And if we, we learn anything from Acts 5, and you should write that down, Acts 5, Acts 5, go look this up later because I'm going to tell you what it says and I want you to go and make sure that I'm not just making it up. Make sure it's actually in the Bible. Acts 5. Acts 5 tells us that when we're forced to be to choose between obedience to God and obedience to any authority, and it's talking about the state, so state authority, but any authority would be included to that. When we're forced to choose between obedience to our Heavenly Father or obedience to any earthly authority, and obedience to that earthly authority would make us disobey the Lord, then we choose the Lord. We always obey God. So the Ten Commandments doesn't tell us, obey your parents. It doesn't say that. It says, honor them. Honor them. Honor them. Commands us to honor them. That's really, really genius because the word honor is flexible. It's kind of fluid. It can change as your stage of life changes in how you relate to your parents. The commander, honor your parents, leaves room for discernment and the differing stages of childhood and adolescence, then teenage years, and then when you become an adult. And that's why I said Paul what Paul is doing, what he's doing. He says, he does say, children, obey your parents for this is right. And it is right for children 
to obey their parents. The fulfillment or fulfilling the fifth commandment, when you're a little child living under your parents' roof, it does look like obedience. And not just like begrudging obedience, but cheerful obedience, right? If you're like a grumpy sourpuss all the time and you're constantly mumbling on your breath, go clean your room. Okay, I'll go, you know, grumble, grumble, grumble. You're not honoring your parents. You're obeying them, but you're not honoring them in obedience. And so this word honor is, is a more all-encompassing thing that changes with our life stages. It changes with our life stages. The word for honor used in Exodus literally means to give weight to to give weight to or to consider something as heavy. So the more literal, literal translation would read, regard or consider your father and mother as heavy. Now, this doesn't mean that you should think of them as being overweight. I'm starting to rock the dad bod a little bit, but I'm working on that, right? So it doesn't mean you should think that they're overweight. <clears throat> it, it means that when your children or when your, when your parents say something, that you don't take it lightly. You don't just brush it off or ignore it. It means that you take what your parents say, no matter what stage of life, and you consider it seriously. You take it seriously. The best definition I found for what God is commanding here was penned by a pastor I really admire. His name's Tim Keller. He says like this. He says, honoring your parents is not about sentimental feelings. It's a moral decision to treat your parents with dignity and courtesy, a decision to provide long-term loyalty to their best interests. You see, until you realize that God isn't commanding you to love your parents or admire them or enjoy them or even trust them, until you realize that God's not commanding you to feel a certain way about your parents, you're going to live with a very con conflicted conscience. It's going to be hard for you. Your conscience is going to kind of rip you apart from the inside out. See, God isn't concerned with sentimentality, not the Hallmark card stuff. He's not concerned with that. He's, command, he's not commanding us to feel a certain way about our parents. What God is concerned with is that you treat your parents and the office of parent with respect and dignity that he's given to that office. It means that regardless of how your parents make you feel, you treat them with dignity and courtesy, and you commit to be for them. You be loyal to their best interest. Think of it kind of like this. We have some veterans in here served in the army. I'm sure Caleb and Earl and some other of you guys who, who served in the military served under some guys that were over you that weren't really worthy of a whole lot of respect. There's a, there's a phrase in the army and the military that they talk about, well, if you can't salute the man, if you can't salute the character, salute the uniform. At least respect the office that the person holds. That's what God's talking about here. He's saying if, if your parents don't have honorable characteristics, if they, they're not men and women of good character, then you might not be able to respect who they are, but you need to respect the office that they represent. You need to be courteous and respectful of the office that they hold because God set it up that way. So that's the what. The what of honoring our parents. It's respect it's being courteous. It's being for your parents, no matter how they operate, being for them, being loyal to their best interests. Now, why is this so important? Why is this so important? Why is, why is this a part of God's Ten Commandments? Why should we honor our father and mother? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians, <clears throat> because it's right. Because it's right. 
Now, that's kind of a simplistic answer, but there's, there's an order to the chaos of life. God has set up a system of how this world is supposed to work. And the family unit is really what all of society and civilization is built upon. It's the foundation of a good society, of a good civilization. The family unit is kind of the incubator where we learn about authority and respect and obedience. Within the family, we're supposed to learn about what, it's, what it looks like to love our neighbor, to be good citizens. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said what? He said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He summarized the first four commandments when he said, love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He said the second commandment is like it. And he summarized the last six commandment, commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself. And honor your father and mother falls smack dab in between those two. I think that was deliberate. I think that was deliberate. You see, honoring your father and mother is the bridge between loving God and loving your neighbor. When you're young, your parents are supposed to kind of stand in place of God to a degree. They're the authority that you are under. They're meant to teach you and show you what God is like so that when you're big, you'll love God and you'll learn to love and respect and submit to God. And then so too, you'll also learn to love and honor, or as you learn to love and honor your parents, hopefully you'll learn what it looks like to love and honor and respect your neighbors and those who live around you. A book I read this week uh, by a guy named Kevin DeYoung, he said it like this. He said, it's not too much to say that loving your neighbor begins with listening to your mom and dad. Loving your neighbor begins with listening to your mom, or mom and dad. So why should we honor our father and mother? Well, because the fabric of society depends upon it. Depends upon it. This is what the reward that God is talking about is all about. See, God isn't naive. The Bible writers, they're not naive. He's not saying, okay, little Johnny, if you obey your mom today, then I'll add, I'll add another day onto your life, right? Obey your parents, honor your parents, and you live long in the land. If you obey your parents, then you obey your mom today. I'm going to add, keep adding days onto your life. But today, kind of a rough day. You didn't honor your parents. You were pretty disobedient. I'm chopping 10, 10 days off your life, right? That's not what God is talking about here. God's not like us. He's not like us. He's not like me. Son, I brought you into this world. Take you out of it, right? He's not like me. That's not how God operates. No, and that's not how our world is. That's not how our world works. Clearly, there are good men and good women who die way earlier than they should. And there are spoiled, rotten children who grow up and live long lives and become spoiled, rotten adults. So what is God talking about if he's not talking about adding days or subtracting days to our life? What he's saying is that if you want to enjoy life and if you want to have a society and civilization that thrives, that lasts for generations and generations and generations, if you want to have a society that is, that is a good society to live in, to be a part of, children must honor their parents. This is the only way your society is going to thrive and last for any length of time. This is the only way that we as a country are going to receive blessings from God 
and live in a healthy civilization is if the bedrock of the family is kept intact. That children live with a mom and a dad and they obey and honor their parents. They obey and honor their parents. This fact is so obvious to everyone. Liberals, conservatives, doesn't matter where you're at politically. Sociology, anybody with a degree in sociology, anybody with a degree in economics will tell you it doesn't matter where you're at and what you think. The biggest, most important, number one transformative variable that will determine whether a child grows up and is successful and healthy in life the biggest, most trans- transforming variable that keeps kids out of jail, that keeps kids off drugs, that keeps kids in school, that keeps kids from having babies outside of wedlock, that keeps children healthy, that makes them productive members of society, the biggest, most important variable that determines where a child is going to be at when they grow up is whether or not they grew up in a home with a female mom and a male dad that loved them and was there for them, that, li- and that, that they listened to and they followed. That is the number one variable that will determine the health of your children. And I, I get that for some of you that are living in the less than ideal situation, that's kind of a hard word to hear. That's not a condemning word. Our God is a God of redemption, and he can make less than ideal situations and turn them out for good. So don't feel condemned. Don't feel like, well, if I didn't have a, a mom and dad or my parents got divorced or, or I'm a single mom or I'm a single dad right now and so my kids don't have a shot. That's not true. That's not true. You do have a shot because you're here and you love the Lord and the Lord can, he can transform and, and do all kinds of different things, okay? But when we talk about the ideal, we talk about the ideal. God's plan for life and civilization is one female mother, one male father, who have children and stay together and they honor their parents and they honor their children. Okay? You show me a child, generally speaking, who has a mom and dad and they will, by and large, be healthy, productive members of society. You show us a child who grew up in a broken home or didn't honor their parents and it is far more likely that we'll see a broken child who's probably less than thriving in life. Again, generalities, it's not true across the board, but... This is the number one contributing factor on what it takes to raise healthy children, okay? Not where you send them to school, not what sports they were in or scholarships, none of that stuff. Whether or not you provided a safe place where the mom and dad were present in life, okay? So, you see, we should want to honor our father and mother because there's a blessing tied to it. I love this. God could have came and he could have given the, the fifth commandment and he could have said, honor your father or else, right? Get the lightning bolt, honor your father or else. Paul, when he quotes it, he could said, here's the first commandment with a threat. That's not what he says. He says, here's the first commandment with a reward or promise. You see, God, God prefers to motivate us with a carrot instead of a stick. He's telling us, he says, listen, listen, this is, this is going to go well for you. You're going to want to do this. It's not within your sinful natures to want to do this, but I'm setting this up so that you want to do this. Do you want to live long in the land? Do you want to be blessed by me? Do you want blessings to come into your life? Then honor your father and mother. 
This is the best way for you to position yourself under my umbrella of protection, under my umbrella of blessing. Honor your father and mother. We should honor our parents because it's good for us and it's good for our society. The breakdown of the family unit in America is the sole cause for the breakdown of our society. You can point to any other statistic, any other fact, and none is more tied to the breakdown of all the craziness that's going around than broken homes. If we could get back to God's ideal and incentivize marriage instead of incentivizing people living apart and separating all of those things, we would see a revolution sweep this country because this is how God has set it up. One mom, one dad, loving their kids, creating a secure environment. We want to live long in a prosperous and productive society and enjoy a thriving life, then we need to honor our parents. It's key. So that's the what? That's the why? What's the how? How do we do this? This is kind of the sticky part. When we get to the practicalities here, if you remember back, I had you all close your eyes and picture your mom and dad, right? Some of you are listening intently, and you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. God said it. I think it's going to be good for me. But there's this huge but flying through your head, right? But I know I should honor my parents. I know, I know God says it. I know it will be good for me, but you don't know my dad. But you haven't met my mom, right? You're living with this giant butt in your head saying, I, I know I should do this, but my parents are the worst. You don't know them. I can't do this. You don't know what they did to me. You, know, you don't know what they didn't do for me. I know I'm supposed to do this, but I can't. I can't. See, it's one thing to flesh this out when our parents are honorable. It's kind of another thing. It's a lot more difficult when our parents are dishonorable. But the command from God is not conditional. It is unconditional. It doesn't say, honor your parents as long as they're good people. Honor your parents as long as they're honorable. That's not what it says. It says, honor your father and mother, period. Honor your father and mother. Do you have a father? If you're alive, you do. Do you have a mother? Yes, we all do. You're called to honor them. But how? How do we do this? This is where the gospel of Jesus Christ becomes so important. I'm going to give you some practical things at the end, but before we move into that, what you really need, if you want to honor your parents, is you need to receive the love from your Heavenly Father. You see, all of us grow up with this innate need to be loved unconditionally. And God has set it up that our parents are supposed to provide that, right? Your parents are supposed to love you no matter what. Doesn't matter if you're good at sports or you do get good grades. Doesn't matter if you're a naughty kid or a good kid. Your parents are supposed to love you because you're theirs. They brought you into this world. Now, some parents do a really good job at this, right? And, it, and it's easy to love our parents if they do a really good job. Honestly, if they do a really good job, sometimes we can love our parents so much that we begin to worship them and idolize them. And that's a problem. That's a problem because we, we need to worship God alone, okay? So that's, that happens, but it's far more common where the mom and the dad maybe don't do as good of a job as they're supposed to. And so instead of idolizing our parents, 
We're craving this, this love, this unconditional love, and we're not getting it from our parents, right? We can never do enough to please dad. We can never do enough to please mom. We're constantly living in this, in this way to try and earn respect, please our parents, and they're not giving us that unconditional love, and so we begin to hate them. We begin to hate them, and on either end of that spectrum, whether we idolize our parents or whether we um, hate our parents, the only road that's going to bring us in the middle is if we receive the love that our Heavenly Father has poured out for us. That's the only way we're actually going to be freed up to honor our parents. When we're freed up from our need to please them, when we understand that there is someone more powerful, someone more awesome, who's in authority over them, our Heavenly Father. You say, what does our Heavenly Father's love look like? Jesus tells a story that gives us a pretty incredible picture. You remember the story of the prodigal son, right? There's two sons. The one son says, Dad, I don't really like being around you. You're rich. I want my inheritance now. I'm going to take my inheritance. I don't ever want to see you again. I just want your money. Super dishonorable, harmful, hurtful to the father. The father says, okay, I'll give you the money. Kid goes off, squanders all of it, goes to the prostitution houses, gambles, I mean, living wild and crazy life till he blows all of his money, winds up eating out of a pig trough. And he says, even my servants, even my servants are taken better care of in my father's house than I am right now. I gotta go back. I gotta go back. He says, maybe my father will let me be a servant. I'm sure he'll punish me. He's gonna rehearse this, this thing. Dad, I, I know I screwed up. I know he did, did all this stuff. It was bad. Like, I know I don't deserve to be your child, but maybe you'll just take me back. So he's rehearsing this as he's going back, and he, as he's walking back to his father's house, his father's been sitting at the end of the road, day in, day out, watching for his son, watching for him to come back, right? And he sees him from afar. Now, according to the Old Testament law, what this father, when he sees this well, uh, rebellious, wicked son, do you know what he was supposed to do? He's supposed to gather all the townspeople up, get a big pile of rocks, and stone him to death. You can read it in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus. Disobedient, rebellious, dishonorable children deserve to be put to death. It didn't happen often, but that's how serious God takes this commandment. Honor your parents. If you don't, you're given chances, right? It says the mom and the dad, there's provisions. Not, not, it's not like if you just fly off the handle, you kid, stone him, right? No, no, no. God protected children, but he said, if time and time again the child has pr proven to be rebellious, disobedient, that he's a wild donkey, he will not be tamed, then put him to death. Because the good of society depends upon honoring your father and mother. So when this father sees his son's coming, all the Jews knew this. All the Jews, everybody knew this. When they hear this story, they're saying, okay, he sees him, all right, get the people around, let's stone him. What does the father do? He runs to him. He runs to him. And the guy's trying to get his speech out. The son, he can't even get the speech out. Prepare the calf. We're having a party. My son was gone. He came home. He's here. That's the love of the heavenly father for you. You are a wayward, rebellious son. I am a wayward, rebellious son. And the Bible says, when you come to your senses, when you turn from your sinful ways and you repent, you come home because you know maybe your father will accept you even as a servant. You come home, God should kill you. He should stone you to death, but he doesn't. 
He put his son on the cross so he can have a party for you, so he can adopt you and bring you into his family, so he can honor you as a son, as a daughter. He can bring you into the family like nothing ever happened. That is the love of the heavenly father for you. And until you understand that, until you receive that love from your father in heaven, you will not be freed up to honor your parents because you're either going to worship them as God or you're constantly going to be trying to prove yourself to them and never able to, which is going to make you hate them. See, this is where the gospel is so important. You need to receive what Christ has done for you so you can know that it doesn't matter what your mom and dad did for you, haven't done for you, say about you, don't say about you. None of that matters. Doesn't mean it won't hurt, but it doesn't matter because you know who you are in Jesus Christ. You know how much you're loved in Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in him, he roots that innate desire that you have to receive unconditional love. He fulfills that need through his work on the cross and filling you with the Holy Spirit and reminding you through the Holy Spirit, I love you. You're secure. I know your dad said some hurtful things. It's okay. He's off base here. You're okay. I love you. I love you. Right? So if we want to honor our parents, I know I got passionate there. It's not because I'm angry. It's because I really want you to know this. I really want you to know how much you're loved by your heavenly father and how much he wants to know you. When you understand that, then, and only then, you, will you be truly freed up to honor your parents and also forgive them. So you say, what is it practically, once we establish our identity in Christ, and our identity in the Heavenly Father, once we establish that, what does it look like for us to practically honor our parents? I want to give you a few guidelines here. The first, if you're still in their house, so I'm, I'm talking to the children here this morning, to the teenagers If you're still in your parents' house, what it looks like for you to honor your parents is to obey them, is to obey them, and to do so cheerfully, right? You want to make your mom's day. When she tells you to go clean your room or help out or put something away, don't argue with her. Don't stomp off and do it begrudgingly. Say, okay, I'd love to do that. I'll go do that. I'll go do that. Mom, thanks for all the work that you do. I would be happy to do this small thing that you're asking me to do. I know you do all the laundry every day. Sure, I'll put it in a basket. I'll bring it in so it's not so much work. Yes, I would be glad to fold the laundry for you because I know how much other stuff you have going on. If you're a child, if you're a teenager growing up, if you're still in the house, obey your parents and do so cheerfully. Do so cheerfully. That's what it looks like to obey or to honor your parents, if you're a child, if you're a teenager. If you're no longer in your parents' house, what does it look like to honor your mom and dad? Well, you can honor them by honoring their wishes whenever possible. Consider their input thoughtfully, right? If you're an adult, you're no longer called to outright obedience. You're not actually under your parents' authority in that way anymore. The Bible says you're supposed to leave and cleave If you're married, you have your own family unit, but it doesn't mean that you just get to throw your mom and dad out the window. You need to still consider their input, to consider their wishes, and whenever possible, honor their wishes, right? Honor them. Respect their wishes whenever possible. To honor your parents, it means to obey them if you're a child or a teenager. It means that you're courteous, 
that you, you do so with as much cheerfulness as possible. And if you're an adult, it means that you give weight to your family's wishes, to your mom and dad's wishes. To honor your parents also looks like showing them gratitude. Say thank you. Say thank you. This doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. Right? Say thank you. And don't just say the words thank you, but say what you're thankful for. If you really want to honor your parents, thank them for the good qualities that they've passed on to you. See, children are a blessing. They're a blessing. The Bible says they're like arrows in a quiver. They're a blessing. And healthy parents take a good and holy pride in their children. Parents long to see how they've impacted their children for good. How their children are a reflection of their strengths, their values. So when you say thank you, thank them for specifics. You don't realize how important it is to give them credit where you can. You don't realize how critical it is to just say, you know, everything I learned about managing my finances comes from you, Mom. Everything that I learned about what it looks like to be a hard worker, to put in a hard day's work, to treat people in the work environment with respect, even when they don't pay, even when they're paying to work with, everything that I learned about what it means to be a good and hardworking, honest man, I learned from you, Dad. Right? I learned from you. I really, really appreciate that. These are simple measures, but ones that, that bring great joy and honor to our parents. So whenever possible, do that one-on-one. -on -one. Speak into your parents. Let them know what things that they taught you that you love and you appreciate. Nothing will honor them more than that. And when you have opportunity in a sermon or in public, honor them publicly as well. Be thankful. Give them gratitude. Thank them for the good qualities that they've instilled in you. Well, how else does it look to honor our parents? Apologize. Apologize. When you're wrong, when you disrespect or dishonor them, and that will happen because you're sinful like me, and we fail sometimes, just like our parents fail. Don't say, Mom, I'm sorry that you felt that way when I did that. That's not really an apology, okay? <laughs> That's how Hollywood apologized. That's not an apology. What you should say is, Mom, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I knew better. Or, Mom, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I didn't know better, but I do now. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? And this will honor your parents. And lastly, and our culture needs to hear this one, badly. We don't honor old folks anymore, right? We set them off to the side. We maybe go visit them if it fits into our schedule, but mostly it's pretty inconvenient. If you want to honor your parents, if you want to honor your elders, and I mean elders as in people that are older than you, then say hello. Pick up the phone, send them a text, or better yet, Go visit them. Invite them on vacation. Make it a point to be there for the holidays whenever possible. Your parents may not have been there as much as you expected them to be or hoped for them to be, but to honor your parents means that you should make it a point to be there for them whenever possible. Care for them. Honor them by giving of your time. Right? Honor them by giving them your time. And again, some of you might be thinking, yeah, okay, but you don't know my parents. To that I'll say, the last way that you can honor your parents is to forgive them. 
Forgive them. Turn over their faults and mistakes, their offenses, their failings to God. Give over your right to be angry. Give over that entitlement attitude that you have that says, I deserve to be spiteful. You treated me like this growing up. I deserve to be spiteful. I deserve to get revenge. You made me feel this way. I'm going to make you feel this way. Turn that over to God. Turn your parents over to God. Put them in his hands. Turn all of it to God so that you can forgive them. You can be freed up from their mistakes. No parent is perfect. No one is perfect. You can honor them by forgiving them. So honor your parents by obeying them cheerfully if you're in their home, by giving weight to their wishes if you're an adult. Honor them by being thankful and showing gratitude whenever possible. Honor them by giving them your time and honor them by forgiving them. It's the why, or the what, the why, the how. Now, I'm going to say a word to parents real quick and then we'll wrap up. Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents, are you parenting in a way that makes it easy for your children to honor you. Paul gives some advice on what that should look like. And I know this is a whole other sermon, so I'll be short, but the family is meant to be a learning environment with the parents as the teachers. This is the essence of what it means to be a parent. You are a teacher. You are both to model and instruct what it means to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Are you living in a way that you want your children to follow after? Does the way you've ordered your life, the way you speak to them, to others, to your spouse, is it a good model that's something that you'd like for your children to follow after? Are you giving them good instructions? Are you giving them any instructions? That's what Paul says. He says you're to instruct and discipline your children. This means you're not their friend. You are their father. Or their mother. You are in authority over them. You are expected by God to give them instructions and command obedience to those instructions. You should hold your children accountable. Punish them if they get out of line. And love them. Give them godly counsel. Teach and train them. You see, the goal of parenting is not to make adults that are dependent upon you. You're not just to raise children. You're to raise them up. Up and out. That means you have a responsibility to do something. You can't just let your kids figure it out on their own. That's what our society, they'll just figure it out. Oh, I'm not going to tell them. They'll just figure it out. No, they won't. They will not figure it out. At least not correctly. Life is confusing and it's only getting more confusing because people are leaving behind the word of God. They're trying to figure out what life looks like in order. It's confusing. It's a mess. Paul says, You can't do nothing as a parent. You have a responsibility to raise them, but not just raise them. He says, bring them up. Raise them up and out so that they can be independent from you and dependent upon God. You see, a healthy child is one who has a lot of discipline in their life and also a lot of love. Takes both. Do not neglect your responsibility, parent. Don't neglect your responsibility. It is not the state's job to raise your child. It is not the church's job to raise your child. It's not your parents' job to raise your child. It's not the babysitter's job to raise your child. And it's not your kid's job to raise themselves. For the sake of society, 
instruct them. Know the word of God so that you can tell them about the ways of the Lord and discipline them for their good because you love them when they step out of line. Right? Discipline and instruct your children. If you don't, fathers, you will exasperate your children and make them angry. You're to lead in this area. Mothers, you help, obviously, you're their support, but the way that God set up the family unit, fathers have the sole, not sole, primary responsibility to lead in this area. Instruct and discipline. And if you don't, Paul's not saying that you shouldn't yell at your kids because you'll exasperate them. He's saying if you don't do anything, if you fail to discipline and instruct your children, you will raise angry, rebellious, wicked sons and daughters. Fathers, instruct and discipline your children. Mothers, instruct and discipline your children. You say, you don't know what my kids are like. Get in a small group, please. I understand. I have four, two, and one. Three kids. I get it. Figuring this out is difficult, right? There's not a one-size-fits-all. Always spank your kid when this happens. Always sit them in a chair when this happens. Always do that. There's not. It takes discernment. Get in a small group with other parents, with older parents, with grandparents who've been there and done that, who know the Lord and love the Lord. And you can say, here's what's going on. I'm struggling. Will you pray for me? Yes, we'll pray for you. Here's some things that we did that were helpful. Here's one thing that we tried that wasn't helpful. Get in community. Get in community so you learn what it looks like to discipline and instruct your parent, your children. The man can come up. We'll wrap up. Like I said, this demands a whole other, whole other sermon. But if you want children that honor you, help them by being parents worthy of honor. Bring your children up with discipline and instructions. And when you fail, and you will fail, I fail more often than I care to admit, seek your children's forgiveness. Seek your children's forgiveness. Nothing will preach the gospel more to them. Nothing will show them that you believe what you say about forgiveness in Christ than when you seek their forgiveness. Say, I dropped the ball here. Daddy got really angry, and I yelled at you, and I responded in anger. That wasn't okay. Buddy, will you forgive daddy? I'm not perfect. That's why I need Christ. He died for that. I'm a work in progress. So are you. Okay? Make it easy on your kids to honor you by disciplining them, having consistent accountability, and instructing them in word and also in lifestyle, in the ways of the Lord. Honor the office of parent by honoring your parents and by being honorable parents. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the example that you give us of what it looks like to be a good father. You are good, as we just sang. You are so good. I pray that we would know your goodness, or your goodness, Lord. That we wouldn't think you're a killjoy. We wouldn't think that you're naive. That we wouldn't think that you're like our earthly parents. But I pray that you would inform our view by the Bible. That you would set yourself up as you are. That you'd show us how loving you are. How much you love us. You'd get faith to our hearts. That we might receive that love and be secure enough in you to honor our parents. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.